Marketing Insider, a Claritas podcast for marketers focused on finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. This month's episode is one you guys have been practically demanding from us for nearly a year. We are finally tackling the 2020 census. There have been so many unforeseen challenges that have prevented us from doing this episode sooner because, trust me, we've tried. But we have some answers to common questions, tips for working with data providers who deal in census data, insight into what's next to come now that the data is being released, and of course, we'll have a few questions of our own that we'll be looking to answer as even more information is available. I knew I had to bring in some heavy hitters for this topic, so I'm very excited about my two guests who will be joining me simultaneously instead of our usual interview style. We have Eliza Albert, who is a Senior Product Strategy Manager here at Claritas and has been leading monthly demographic calls since well before Census 2020 data collection completed. And we also have Ken Hodges on the line. He is a data science consultant and demographer here at Claritas. Ken and Eliza, welcome to the Marketing Insider. Thanks, Monique. If any of our listeners have worked with us in any capacity related to demographics, they likely recognize your names. But Eliza, I'll start with you. Can you introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Yeah, so as Monique said, I'm one of our senior product strategy managers, and I'm responsible for several of our data products, including all of our demographic and cartographic products. So I'm very familiar with data collected by the Census Bureau um, on the decennial census as well as surveys like the American Community Survey. I'm also an expert at the different types of geographies. We provide data for whether they are sourced from the Census Bureau or other places like the Postal Service. Great. And Ken, can you share a bit of your background and areas of expertise? Uh, Certainly. I'm a demographer with Claritas, and uh, for many years I've been involved with our demographic estimates and projections. And once every 10 years, of course, we uh, transition those products to the data and geography of a new census. And the census transition always presents us with challenges, but uh, they also give us opportunities. uh, For example, a new census is our opportunity to evaluate the accuracy of our estimates and then to refine our methods. And uh, we've been doing those evaluations all the way back to when the 1980 census was new. So a long time. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Excellent. So we'll go ahead and hop right into the questions. Uh, Ken, the first one's for you. Uh, The 2020 census, which was completed late last year, it marked the 24th census in U.S. history, if if I'm doing my math correct here. So we've talked about its importance many times, but for those that are still unfamiliar with the background, what exactly is the census and what purpose does it serve? Of course, the the census is mandated by the U.S. Constitution with the primary purpose of determining the number of seats that each state gets in the U.S. House of Representatives. The data also are used in establishing the congressional districts within states. Uh, Census data are used by federal agencies in the administration of programs and in the distribution of federal funds. Uh, And state and local governments uh, use census data for planning purposes. Uh, So as some people say, uh, the census is about moving power and money. And while the census does not collect data expressly for those of us in the business sector, businesses have become uh, some of the most prolific and creative users of census data. 
and the Census Bureau increasingly recognizes us as uh, valued users of their data. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into that a little bit more. But correct me if I'm wrong, you were part of an advisory committee for Census 2010, and then more recently you've been involved with the Population Association of America. Is that correct? Uh, Correct. Uh, in a number of ways, this all just means that uh, I'm one of the census data users who has uh, been conferring with the Census Bureau on their data. Uh, you know, the demographers at the Census Bureau are our colleagues. Uh, we're in the same profession. Mm-hmm. You know, we go to the same conferences and we confront many of the same challenges in our work. And uh, yeah, that's how we end up uh, serving in some of these uh, these roles with our colleagues at the Census Bureau. Uh, yeah, again, just to name a few of those involvements uh, over the years, I've been pleased to support the Census Bureau through activities such as serving on that uh, 2010 Census Advisory Committee. Uh, you mentioned the Population Association of America. I serve on a committee with that association that uh, meets regularly with federal data officials, including leadership at the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, and I've just recently wrapped up some work on a Census Data Products Redesign Group where we've uh, been working with the Census Bureau as they have been redesigning their data dissemination systems. And occasionally I've testified before congressional committees on census-related issues. And uh, and I really ought to add that Claritas has always supported and even encouraged its demographers as we devote time and energy to activities like this. Uh, Those engagements, uh, as you imagine, can take a lot of work, and the company's support uh, really helps us. That's uh, pretty official, (laughs) speaking before committees and being part of committees and advisory boards. So does that mean that you actually have some input on the census itself? Well, we actually do. I mean, it doesn't mean that they always uh, go with everything that we would like, uh, but uh, we do have input, and you don't actually have to serve in those official capacities to provide input. Okay. Uh, For example, many of us have been providing feedback recently, uh, for example, on test data showing the impact of differential privacy, Mm -hmm. something that we can talk about later, Uh, as well as for the specifications for some of the 2020 census data products that are yet to be released. But uh, still, there's nothing like uh, actually having a seat at the table at uh, some of these um, opportunities and providing direct input through things like advisory committees, data product review groups. Uh, National Academy of Sciences sometimes has workshops where we can provide input. And again, just whatever opportunities we get to meet directly with census officials. Very cool. So, Eliza, I want to get you involved too. Understanding the background of the census, it's one thing, but why is it important for businesses to have access to the data that's collected if they want to make smart strategic decisions? Yes, yeah, so census data is so important because it's definitely the most complete data that you're going to get. Every other survey is based on a relatively small sample of the population, but the census aims to count every person living in the United States and learn some basic information about them. And even though the questionnaire isn't particularly long, there's so much information markers can gain from that. Just think about age as an example. Age is such an important piece of demographic information information for everything from retail to healthcare. Um, For example, if you're in retail, you want to know approximately how many children live around your stores. You also want to know which age ranges they fall into so you know what types of 
items to stock and can anticipate how many of each you need. So many products, you know, everything from toys to clothing and even certain food items are geared towards specific age groups. So just having this basic information helps you optimize your stores so you prevent items from just sitting around on the shelves. And then adding other demographic information on top of that helps you further refine your purchasing and stocking plans so you can maximize profits. So it's great for helping businesses, both big and small. Mm -hmm. But then think about something like healthcare, where it's absolutely critical for providers to know this kind of information. They have to ensure that they have both the appropriate staff and also the necessary supplies to care for the people in their communities. Mm -hmm. So like a very timely example of that would be with the vaccines. Um, you know, having age data on your patients helps you anticipate how many of each type you should have on hand so you can care for people. Piggybacking off of the potential impact to businesses, Ken, are there any interesting facts about the data that's been released so far that you can share with us? Well, one thing, I know the media, of course, have paid a lot of attention uh, to the national level population mm -hmm. growth rate, which was one of the slowest that we've seen since I think it was about the 1930s. Uh, not a surprise, but it's of note. But uh, of course, at Claritas, we uh, uh, tend to focus on how the national trends are playing out at the local level. And yeah, I thought it was interesting to see you know, that from 2010 to 2020, more counties in the U.S. lost population than gained population. Hmm. You know, we had seen that pattern in pre-census estimates, but it's something else to see it uh, confirmed in the actual census counts. Uh, and there's uh, you know, so many interesting patterns to be seen in some of the uh, you know, the race and ethnic uh, distributions. Eliza, I know you've been looking at some of that, so maybe you'd like to share some of those uh, you know, things we've seen. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things we've noticed is a huge increase in the number of people that are identifying as um, belonging to more than one race group, um, which I think is going to be very interesting, you know, for marketers to look at that. Um, some people think part of that is because of, you know, the help available on the forum, especially online, you know, to direct people on how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. But I do think some of it too, is just more people truly identifying that way. Um, you know, especially as companies like ancestry research companies and genetic testing companies have made it easier for people to research their family history. You know, they're more people are really intrigued by that and really digging into that information and learning about their background and, you know, identifying ways that maybe they weren't even aware of in the past. So I think that's definitely an interesting trend. Yeah, it's giving a new definition to the old saying about the U.S. being a melting pot. So very interesting. Absolutely. So, Eliza, now that the data collection is done, what happens next? I mean, I think most marketers sort of look at the fact that it has been more than a year since uh, the census collection completed, but they've only seen a few facts and figures really come out. So was there a delay or is the timeline we're on normal and we're just all very impatient? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there have definitely been delays. Okay. There's a lot of processing that needs to be done by the Census Bureau after the data collection. And a big part of that is just to ensure that the data has proper privacy protection in place so that no individuals or households can be specifically identified in the data. 
And of course, there have been significant delays to the release of the census data because of the collection issues posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, we were supposed to get the apportionment counts, which contained total population for each state on December 31st, 2020. However, those did not come out until April 26th this year. So we had like a four month delay with that. Um, but fortunately, we did still manage to use those to inform our 2022 demographic estimates. Um, then the next release, which is the PL94171 redistricting data, was supposed to be released by April 1st this year, but we just got that in legacy format back in mid-August, so there was even a slightly longer delay with that. And then we're still waiting for the demographic and housing characteristics or DHC file. Um, this is replacing the summary file one or SF1 data from previous census updates. Um, some users may be familiar with that terminology, um, but the SF1 data was available in 2011 um, with the 2010 census. Um, but it's looking like you know it may even be late 2022 before we get the DHC data wow. this time around. Okay. So you threw out a lot of uh, numbers there. So I think we'll go ahead and link in the show notes for those listening at home to some resources um, just to help you understand a little bit more about what Eliza is talking about. If you're not as in the weeds on the data as we are, um, what would be your tips for someone who is choosing a, a data partner who does collect and analyze census data in a way that makes it actionable for marketers to use? So I think the biggest thing I would look for in a partner is someone who's providing value beyond just repackaging the raw census data. Yeah, as we've discussed, that information is critical, but it's also freely available on the census site. So if you're going to spend money, just make sure you're getting additional value Mm -hmm. for it. Um, You know, one of the things we do at Claritas is we provide current year estimates, five-year projections. We have several categories that are not Um, covered by the census itself. Um, We also have geographic levels that are not covered by the Census Bureau, such as postal geographies, telecommunications geographies, um, and other media-related items. So, you know, you want to look for something like that to make sure you're getting some additional value that's going to help your business specifically. Um, If you just want the basic information that's available from the census, Um, just go up to data.census.gov and use the tools to get that information if you're just looking for age for your county, um, things like that. Another thing is, you know, Ken talked about how involved he and his colleagues are in the applied um, demographics community. So I think you, you know, really want to make sure that the people that you're working with have that kind of experience and are active because, that just really helps, you know, to make sure that when they're developing the methodologies, they have a good understanding of the input data they're using. And, you know, they're up on the latest research in the field as well. Um, And I think it's also good to look at their past results. So if they created 2010 estimates, for example, how did those compare to the 2010 census? You know, that's something that we evaluate each time, as Ken mentioned, it's the perfect opportunity for us to see how well we're doing. Um, And then that also gives you a good indicator of how effective the methodology is. 
Yeah, that that all kind of segues me into my next question, actually. So I, I think I mentioned it at the top, but we've been in a bunch of meetings over the last year plus to talk about the census. And something I've heard both of you mention is how I'll say mom and pop style data companies, they always seem to appear with after each census release. So when you're considering making a long-term data investment, but everybody is faced at the moment with budget constraints and whether it's a short-term budget constraint or a long-term budget constraint, uh, are these smaller providers a better choice than a larger company who might also have that higher price tag with the data available? Yeah. So again, a lot of the mom and pop pop shop style companies or, you know, those that are repackaging the data. So again, you just want to make sure you're getting additional value for your dollars. And also many big companies, they're willing to, you know, work with you on data. So maybe you don't need a huge data set with thousands of variables, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they can customize your deliverable in many cases to only include the items that are critical for your business. So basically you want to look around, see what people offer and go what's best for what you need as a business. Exactly. All right. So Eliza, you've done a good job so far sharing a lot around how to use census data to strengthen your marketing efforts as a B2C, which would be business to consumer or business to customer company. But how does Claritas use census data as a B2B or business to business company? Can you explain a little bit there? Yeah, so as we've been you know, saying, we have a lot of experience working with this type of data and refining our methodology. So we definitely bring a lot of value to our partners. Um, and again, you know, our demographers are so involved in the applied demographics community. So you can just be assured that we're always looking for ways to improve upon what we've built over the last several decades. Um, and just having reliable data is so critical for any business. Um, our demographers are not only what are Our demographics are not only one of our key offerings, but they're also the foundation for other products like our segmentation data, for example. And when you combine the power of demographics with segmentation and the behaviors associated with it, you have a goldmine of information about your customers that you can act on. I think uh, you had a a flub there with saying our demographers are foundational, but they are. (laughs) They actually are. (laughs) are. It's true, the demographics (laughs) and the demographers. Very true, yes. (laughs) So I've, I've heard a few questions come up over the past couple of months from clients, but you guys get way more than I do considering you're the experts. So what are the biggest questions you've heard from clients or others in the industry related to the census so far um, so that some of our listeners who may also be looking for answers can can get those answers? Well, I think the word is getting out about differential privacy, and uh, we're starting to get some questions about that, and that is a good legitimate area for questions. Differential privacy, of course, is the new method the Census Bureau is using to protect the confidentiality of what we report uh, on the census. And they're doing this because modern computers and data resources have increased the risk that census tables, you know, data for areas, could inadvertently disclose individual information. And such disclosure is prohibited by law. So to better protect confidentiality, the Census Bureau is 
introducing noise or some amounts of error into the published census tables in order to uh, <clears throat> mask, uh, prevent us from inferring what individuals have reported. Uh, and there has been lively debate about this among data users, uh, and Claritas customers' uh, clients are naturally wondering about its impact on data quality. Right. And uh, we, we at Claritas are among those who have been reviewing what are called the demonstration data. And these are 2010 census data with differential privacy applied uh, so that we can see the before and after impact of this new disclosure avoidance method. Uh, the first version of the demonstration data that uh, we reviewed looked, let's say, not so good. I mean, actually, the impact on most areas was pretty small, uh, not bothersome, but there were some areas that looked totally unrealistic. Uh, and the Census Bureau has since made some revisions and some improvements. Uh, some problems remain. Uh, we might hear some negative publicity about differential privacy. Don't be surprised if you hear negative reports. And, and yeah, I still have some gripes about it, but I think it's fair to say that the impact on data quality looks less severe now than it did a few years ago. Okay. And Eliza, are you hearing any any kind of questions or comments coming up from clients that sort of differ from what Ken's hearing? Yeah. So many clients um, that I've talked to have been concerned about the timing of the census releases and how that impacts our products. Mm -hmm. So one of the main concerns right now is, of course, the fact that the PL94 redistricting data is out, but we weren't able to incorporate that into our 2022 estimates um, because, you know, it was not released until mid-August, which was actually after we had completed the 2022 estimates. And I'm sure that we're going to see similar questions again next year when the demographic and housing characteristics file is released. And, you know, it's looking like right now the Census Bureau is saying they've will probably start production on that file in summer 2022. So of course we would be surprised if that's out anytime, you know, before like Q4 of next year. So it's very unlikely that we would incorporate that into next year's update. Um, and I don't want to downplay the importance of the census because it is very valuable. But I also want to encourage our data users that our 2022 estimates are still incredibly useful and the 2023s will be as well. We use several sources to ensure that our annual estimates are as accurate as possible and our past results are really a testament to that. Um, again, like as we've been discussing, we always review our estimates for a census year against the actual census once the data is available. And our margins of error have been quite low. Um, and we keep seeing improvements each decade as we refine our methodology and add source data. So, you know, we always you know, do a good job. I think, you know, our team is very experienced and doing a great job to help with that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the sources that really distinguishes us is our internal master address file. We update that annually with various sources, including new construction data from our partners at Velasquez. So that's very helpful in identifying areas that are changing more rapidly. Um, we also cover several data items that items, as we mentioned, and geography is not covered by the census. 
so again, we're adding a lot of value with the product as well that, you know, yeah, goes beyond the census update. I think that's an important part. I mean, Eliza, you can really only speak from our perspective because you know what mm-hmm. we do. But for those of you listening that are evaluating data partners, we're not saying necessarily, you know, you should choose Claritas. We would love for you to choose uh, Claritas for your needs. But that's something to keep in mind. Look at how accurate uh, estimates are against the census with whoever you're evaluating. So you want to make sure that your data partner is providing you the most accurate data as possible so you can make make the best decisions for your business and then ultimately see a higher ROI. So keep that in your uh, checklist as you're evaluating data partners for your needs. But I'm looking at the clock now and we have been chatting for quite some time and we do try to keep these episodes around the 30 minute mark. So let's wrap things up on one final question for you guys. And Ken, this may be one uh, more so for you, but of course, if you both have thoughts, Eliza, by all means, chime in. So has the 2020 census brought to light any changes that will need to happen by the time the 2030 census rolls around? whether that's from the way the survey is fielded to the data that's collected or shared or even the questions included? Uh, Sure. The uh, 2020 census confirmed that uh, a pandemic is a bad time to take a census. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, of course, hurricanes and wildfires don't help either. Uh, But, you know, with all of that, the Census Bureau actually did an amazing, almost heroic job of completing the census under those circumstances. But apart from those 2020 circumstances, the census is increasingly challenged by the growth of populations that are just plain hard to count, as well as the public's reluctance to report or or respond to surveys Mm -hmm. of any type, including the census. And, and yeah, planning for the 2030 census yeah, has started already, and there is talk of possibly moving away from traditional methods, you know, those methods that seek to get a response from every household in the U.S. Uh, and there is, for a long time, there has been talk of the benefits of an administrative records census, uh, and that's one that would uh, make use of data that the government already has on the U.S. population. And in fact, the 2020 census uh, made some uh, important strides in the use of administrative data, but it was not the basic method. Uh, However, if an administrative record census were that easy, uh, I think they would have been doing that decades ago. There's kind of a running joke among demographers that the administrative record census is always what we're going to do the next time. But with the mounting challenges and the expense of traditional methods, uh, yeah, maybe this will be the decade when we see a move to some fundamentally different method, or maybe not. I mean, there, it, it's still a number of years out, and there may be no quick and easy way to take a census that provides the kind of quality data that the nation needs. Yeah, I guess time will tell what happens. All right. So Ken and Eliza, Thank you so much for joining me for this extremely enlightening and thought-provoking conversation. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Happy to join in and discuss the census with everyone. Yeah, I I hope I can tap you both on the shoulder in the future for a few more discussions around census or demographics. So thanks again for joining me. 
it's always fun to talk about the census. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we are recording this episode just a few weeks before Thanksgiving. So I want to take a moment to really thank those of you who have listened to our podcast. Whether it's the first episode you found or you're a loyal subscriber, we appreciate every last one of you. I also want to give another shout out to Eliza and Ken for joining me for this particular episode and a big thank you for the guests I've had this entire year. I've learned so much as the host and I hope I can say the same for everyone listening at home or on the go. If you're interested in even more about the 2020 census or how businesses should be incorporating the data into their strategies, keep an eye on our website, www.claritas.com. We constantly update it with blogs, reports, informative videos, and more, all of which are completely free, so you won't find a better deal than that. And if you've not already, please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice, our favorite being Spotify, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. We do have one more episode planned for the year, which we hope you'll join us for. So we'll see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be sure to take some time to relax and enjoy the company of your loved ones. Bye now. Bye.